0: Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, there's nothing like the beauty of autumn colors. We'll get the official fall foliage forecast from the Ohio Department of Natural Resources. Also this morning, masks' optional policies mean schools must rely on contact tracing to avoid uncontrolled spread of COVID-19. But one expert says that doesn't work either, at least not the way most are doing it. It's homecoming for the Finley Trojans as they host archrival rival Fremont Ross tonight. Head coach Stefan Adams talks about the growth of the team through the first half of the season. And we welcome Autumn with a collection of terrific tailgate recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Friday, September 24th, 2021. It is the festival of latest novelties today. Celebrating all of those novelty items that serve no real useful purpose but that we love nonetheless. Things like the Rubik's cube or the Magic 8-ball or I don't know, what the pet rock. Any any novelties. Apparently the very first known novelty on record dates back to like the 16th century when somebody made a a very enterprising person made a goblet with a mirror at the bottom of it so when you were uh, drinking your grog you could see if there was someone sneaking up behind you (laughs) apparently that was the first novelty In recorded history, although it strikes me that in that era, that would be very useful. Uh, That would not necessarily fall under the category of novelty. But anyway, it is the Festival of Latest Novelties. Today, Gallbladder Good Health Day. It is Kiss Day today. National Bluebird of Happiness Day. What's the old saying? May the bluebird of happiness (laughs) not... mm, leave droppings on your car or something. I don't know. Anyway, what is that old saying? I did the bluebird. If we've heard that phrase, the bluebird of happiness. Today is the bluebird of happiness day, national cherries, Jubilee day. And it is national punctuation day period. Just remember that. So this is kind of interesting. Uh, Among the first things you need to know, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories This will be something that is worth discussing, and people, I'm sure, will be on social media. Uh, Democratic Senator Maggie Hassan of uh, New Hampshire is co-sponsor of a new bill in Congress that uh, wants to have a new memorial on the National Mall in Washington, D.C. to honor military veterans of the global war on terrorism. It proposes three locations— and the supporters say this is America's longest war. With the notion that a memorial to it, uh, the notion that a memorial to the war on terrorism would not be on the National Mall is just mind boggling. One location is approved. A design complete uh, competition, a design competition for the memorial will take place. Um. Back in 2017, then-President Donald Trump signed legislation to create a Global War on Terror memorial on federal land in Washington, but didn't say where. So this is now the idea to put it right there on the National Mall. A main obstacle to that particular location is a law passed in 2003 that declared the mall complete and barred any construction of new monuments or museums in the National Mall area. However, Congress can provide exemptions as it did for the National Museum of African-American History and Culture that opened in 2016. Democratic Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia, who chairs the Senate committee that oversees national parks, monuments and memorials, said the global war on terrorism Uh, memorial to the global war on terrorism shouldn't be on the mall saying it would quote, reopen the fight to put other significant memorials there too. So the debate is not whether we should have a monument or a memorial to the global war on terrorism, but where it will be. So stay tuned on this, but it is a bipartisan piece of legislation to override the mall or the uh, law back in 2003 that said you couldn't put it on the mall. The problem in Washington the problem in Washington I'm told is that they're running out of places to put memorials. I mean there are so many things that deserve memorials and monuments and they're running out of places to put them. So again stay tuned kind of interesting stuff there. So this is the time of year for pumpkin spice everything. And there is a reason for that. Researchers at Johns Hopkins University say it's not so much the taste of pumpkin spice that we love so much as the smell and its associations, the things that we associate with the aroma of pumpkin spice. Jason Fisher is a researcher at Johns Hopkins, says there is a special kind of access to the memory system in the brain that the perception triggered by odor has. Um, Even just reading the phrase pumpkin spice can bring forth the scents and memories of fall, which are further enforced when the leaves change colors and other physical signs of fall are present. Uh, The very first pumpkin spice uh, blend was released by McCormick and Company in 1934. And two years ago, it was the company's fourth best-selling retail spice. Researchers add that there is another factor at play called the familiarity effect, which basically says the more you've been exposed to something, the more it ingrains itself in your preferences. So I say by simply experiencing pumpkin spice every year over and over again, it takes on that sense of familiarity. And when you add in all of the other positive associations with fall, it can really cause us to find some sort of nostalgic comfort in it. So, if you are go pumpkin spice crazy, like many people do this time of year, now you know why. It's not necessarily because you like pumpkin spice per se. Which is kind of interesting. Hey, we have the uh, story... A couple of days ago about the shortage, maybe it was about a week ago, about the shortage of alcohol Uh, in Pennsylvania. They were actually rationing booze because of the pandemic-related shortage of alcohol. And we mentioned if there is anything that could get Americans serious about getting serious, getting over this pandemic, this would be it. And we have a follow-up. It appears that it is not just Pennsylvania. And we said this. uh, It it was coming. This could be the start of something big. Uh, It says, all the booze that Americans bought during the beginning of the pandemic starting to catch up with us. Many states now experiencing alcohol shortages due to over-demand and failings in the supply chain. Last week, Pennsylvania State Consumer Liquor Board made an announcement that limited two bottles of alcohol a day per consumer. And in North Carolina, uh, customers in liquor stores are frequently finding out-of-stock signs. Uh, Chief Economist of the Distilled Spirits Council of the U.S. says, I don't think anybody saw the kind of demand that we're seeing right now, particularly those high-end, super-premium products. Nobody saw this coming. He says that inventory issues are affecting every aspect of the alcohol beverage supply chain and some alcohol brands are having issues sourcing glass for bottle making. So it's not so much the booze is that they can't figure out uh, what to put it in to ship it to retail stores. So uh, mentions Pennsylvania, North Carolina, other states experiencing an alcohol shortage right now. Vermont, New Jersey. Virginia, and yes, Ohio. So we said, look out for this. Could be a big deal. Big story right here. Time to get serious about getting over this pandemic, getting past this. <laughs> if there's anything that can motivate us, this is this is it. So Halloween right around the corner. Yesterday we were talking about the uh, Halloween parade and uh, gearing up for the spooky holiday uh those halloween costume stores are popping up everywhere and the hunt is on for the best and worst sexy halloween costume of the year and i think we have a winner i think we have a winner it could be the best or worst depending on how you look at it but uh, an online store um for Halloween costumes, has introduced you ready for this a sexy Senator Bernie Sanders costume. <laughs> uh, the sexy Senator Bernie Sanders costume comes with a gray puffy coat and uh, and a pair of uh, of fuzzy mittens, just like the Vermont senator wore during President Biden's inauguration that became. A uh, huge thing that po- started popping up everywhere on the internet. Now it is a Halloween costume. <laughs> so what makes it? Oh, and it comes with a face mask as well, of course. Um. So what makes it sexy? Well, be because the wearer is only supposed to put on the coat and the gloves, and that's it. So, ooh, I don't know about sexy, but that's definitely scary. <laughs> uh, retail price eighty five dollars. So you go. And finally this morning among the first things that you need to know, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to start your day, buzz about this today with Halloween being right around the corner, Candystore.com is out with their annual list of the best and worst Halloween candies, the definitive ranking, what they call the definitive ranking of the best and worst Halloween candies. And this year, both the top 10 best and the bottom 10 worst candies, uh, all 10 are the same as last year. They're in a different order, but they're the same ones. Top 10 best Reese's peanut butter cups. Number one, best Halloween candy, according to CandyStore.com's annual trick or treat survey, peanut butter cups. Number one, M&M's number two, Skittles, Snickers, and. Sour Patch Kids round out the top five. Then the rest of the top ten, Kit Kat, Twix, Hershey Bars, Butterfinger, and Nerds. So the same top ten, although in a different order, slightly different order this year as compared to last. But Reese's Peanut Butter Cups were number one last year, and they are once again this year as well. As for the ten worst, in reverse order, Black Licorice good and plenty tootsie rolls mary jane's which i have to admit i'm not familiar with i'll have to look that up because i'm sure i've seen those before but i'm not sure what they are the wax cola bottles they still make those wax cola bottles and then the bottom five worst necco wafers smarties peanut butter kisses circus peanuts and candy corn, once again, the worst of the worst. So those are the best and worst Halloween candies. What does it say? I love all the top ten. I love all the top ten. But what does it say that um, I'm actually okay with all of the bottom five? <laughs> I guess I guess more for me. That's what that means. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to start off your Friday morning.
1: WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. The WTOL 11 first alert forecast. Plenty of sunshine expected today with a high of 72. Partly cloudy tonight, a low of 55. A seven-member committee has voted against moving the Hancock County Probate Juvenile Court to the Findlay Village Mall. Judge Routson is on the committee and was one of those who voted against the idea. The committee wasn't convinced based on several factors. One having to do with the expense involved. Uh, the unknowns and when you purchase an older building about the maintenance and fixing roofs and air conditioning units over the course of time their security and safety there was a concern the judge said he prefers keeping all the courts together and he believes that they could build a new probate juvenile court in the area where it currently is for about the same cost as moving it to the mall get more on our website the finley police department is asking the public if they recognize a theft suspect Police say the man in a surveillance picture you can see on our website stole several items from the Walmart on Trenton Avenue. Police say their investigation has revealed that he may have ties to the Fremont or Clyde areas. Anybody with information is urged to contact police dispatch or crime stoppers and tipsters may be eligible for a reward. Republicans in the Ohio House are proposing a bill that they say would prohibit vaccine and mask mandates in almost all public and private locations in the state.
2: If passed, it would block things like testing, vaccine requirements, and mask mandates. Now, if you recall earlier this month, President Joe Biden announced federal vaccine and testing requirements for employers with more than 100 workers. But if House Bill 425 becomes law, which one do we follow? Well, we went to OSU law professor Peter Shane for the answer.
3: Federal law under the
4: Constitution, Takes precedence over state
2: law. Some are also concerned that this will really uh, provide some type of confusion of sorts of how lawmakers are handling COVID. In downtown Columbus, Tino Ramos.
1: Former Ohio State Buckeye Justin Fields is returning to the Buckeye State this weekend as the Chicago Bears starting quarterback. The Bears announced Fields will get his first start in the NFL on Sunday when the Bears take on the Browns in Cleveland. Fields telling reporters that he's been preparing for this moment for a long time. Matt Demchek with 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM.
0: Well, autumn is here and that means the beauty of the autumn colors aren't far behind. ODNR forester David Parrott joins us this morning with details on the Department of Natural Resources fall foliage forecast and I don't know anyone, David, who doesn't look forward to this time of year precisely for this reason. First of all, explain some of the basic science behind this, because I know there are a number of factors that go into when the leaves change, just how vibrant the colors will be, some of which happen long before autumn gets here.
4: Yeah, that's correct. So just in general, uh, the reason we see the, the change in fall colors is because... When the tree knows the winter is coming and is going into its dormancy, uh, it starts to pull out some of the components from the leaf to store for next year. And one of those is it breaks down the chlorophyll, which is green, and gives us the green colors and exposes some of the pigments that are in the leaf all year that's been hidden, which are the yellows and oranges that we see. And then the tree starts producing uh, another chemical that causes the red colors that we see. So, and as you were saying, all year long uh, there are variables that go in, which can. Some studies have shown that the time when the leaves come out in the spring can impact when the fall, or when the fall, leaves will start changing colors in fall,
1: mm-hmm.
4: as well as the, as well as the conditions through the growing season, and then in particular what the weather is uh, here through from this point on through the rest of autumn. So. Now a lot of variables. Now we have
0: had a, a quite a bit of rain across the state this week. How will that impact the fall colors that we will see later in the month? Is that likely to to move it up or exactly what?
4: I don't think this rain's going to have a huge impact. Uh now if we start getting extreme weather further into the autumn season, okay. then we might start seeing some negative impacts, but as of right now, um I don't think it's going to be bad where scheduled to be pretty much uh average from here on out to have average weather which is good news for the fall colors and as far as this past growing season throughout the summer uh we've had plenty of precipitation but not too much so things are looking good
0: so in other words this is one of those uh scenarios where it kind of sets it up for a a pretty good fall color season in other words
4: that is that is what we believe at this point so when and
0: where is mother nature going to put on her best show then
4: so in northern ohio uh people might be seeing changes right now in spots and uh but by the end of the month there should be some maybe some patchy changes occurring up north and then that's going to slowly move down through uh to the southern ohio uh we're expecting the peak for northern Ohio to occur sometime between October 15th and October 20th and then for southern Ohio that we're thinking that peak's going to happen between October 20th and 25th and then central Ohio is going to be right in the middle there around October 20th.
0: Now, if you were to ask most people in Ohio where the best place is to see the colors, I would imagine Hocking Hills in that area would be at or very near the top of the list. What are some of the more popular hot spots to see uh, the the fall colors in all their glory?
4: So Hocking Hills year-round is a great place that everyone loves to visit. It's great for fall colors. And then it also has Hemlock Forest, which while they don't change colors, uh, has a very Majestic scenery for everyone to enjoy. Um, outside of there, Mohican State Forest, which is about an hour and a half drive from Cleveland uh, and about an hour and a half outside of Columbus. Uh, that's a great place to go see fall colors. Mm-hmm. Uh, Allen Creek State Park is another one that has a bunch of activities people can do around the fall. Um, and as well as if you wanted to go down to southern Ohio, there's a Shawnee State Forest, which is the state's largest forest and has a multi-day
0: backpack trail people can go on. Oh, wow. Now, of course, the only challenge in in trying to get to those places is that if you want to make it more than just a day trip, sometimes camping and lodging options tend to book up quickly. So let me ask you this. What are some of the uh, hidden gems uh, to see the color? Some of the places that are perhaps lesser known, maybe a little less crowded, but still offer some spectacular scenery?
5: Pretty
4: much everywhere is going to be popular come uh, the fall colors. But there's Tar Hollow State State Forest. Um, there's Caesar Creek State Park over near Cincinnati. Mm. Um, another one is Conkles Hollow State Nature Preserve, which is near is in the Hawking area, but isn't part of the state park or the uh, state forest.
0: And of course. Uh- You were mentioning, as you were kind of alluding to, Ohio is a big state, so the peak colors will happen at different times, different locations. ODNR has a whole section of your website dedicated to tracking the change of the leaves with information on accommodations and park activities and everything else that one might need for a fall foliage trip, right?
4: That is correct. So, um, yeah, the the website is fallcolor.ohiodnr.gov and in addition to all that information that you spoke about uh we do give weekly updates and we also have a map that uh where we have surveys sent out to people throughout the state and they give us a real-time updated status of the fall color and then we use the map to show people so they can see what the fall color is doing throughout the state and that website also leads you to uh, all of the different places you can stay and from there you can find um all the state parks and state forests and odnr properties so uh you can find some of those hidden gems that i can't give away right now
0: (laughs) there you go again uh, ohio department of natural resources forester david parrot with us this morning talking about this year's fall foliage forecast david thanks very much for the time we appreciate it
4: oh thank you very much
0: So as we were talking about yesterday on the program, for now, the Findlay City schools, like all the rest of the districts in our area, are sticking with their masks optional but recommended policy for students and staff and visitors But health experts continue to be concerned as they watch the COVID numbers increase among children. In Ohio, there's been something like a 44% increase in cases among children just within the past week or so. And in Hancock County, the last numbers I saw had nearly one in five new cases now involving those under age 18. Graham Greve is a former teacher and the CEO of contact, contact tracing platform Trace Innovations. And Graham... Is the only conclusion from these numbers that these policies aren't working to contain the spread? I mean, is that the only conclusion we can draw?
5: I think when you have these mask optional policies, what it means is that you will have transmission within schools. And so because people are able to transmit the virus, even if they have been vaccinated, you're going to see more positive cases if you're testing regularly.
0: So it's pretty much inevitable. So why are so many school districts so hesitant to return to the same policies as were in place last year? The masks, the social distancing, and the rest of it. Is it all politics or are there other reasons? You
5: know, I wouldn't say it's all politics. Um, I, I think a lot of people are, a lot of people are, you know, frustrated with how the last year has gone mm-hmm. and there are individuals have different sorts of risk calculus. And so people want to get back to normal life. They're tired of the pandemic. They want to, they want to move on. They've been vaccinated and they feel that I think they feel that the virus isn't as much of a threat to them.
1: Mm-hmm.
5: However, it doesn't take into account the bigger picture of what positive cases mean for, for schools and for the disruption caused to the in-person education of children.
0: Well, certainly understandable that that people are uh, frustrated. They're tired uh, of all of this. They want to get back to normal. But you say what is perhaps most concerning about these current policies of relying on contact tracing to contain the spread, especially where masks aren't required, is that it is a losing battle, at least in the way that it's being done now.
5: Correct. So. For those who aren't familiar, contact tracing is the process of identifying everyone who was within close contact or who was exposed to someone who tested positive. And the traditional method of contact tracing that's occurring in most schools right now, it's relying almost completely on the student to remember who they interacted with outside the classroom, in, bet- in between classes, in between electives. And it's looking at feeding charts as well, which are static in nature. And so it doesn't tell the full story of these human interactions, of these student interactions who who are you know at a very social age. And without a reliable digital solution supporting those contact tracers, what you see is missed close contacts, missed exposures that lead to asymptomatic and unreported spread of the virus through the community because a student forgot who they, who they had lunch with three days prior.
0: So that's why you pretty much left the profession of, of teaching, left the classroom, and uh, launched uh, your company, Trace Innovation. So uh, if the current method of contact tracing uh, isn't working, what should be done instead? What alternatives are there?
5: So the most important thing to do is to support those contact tracers with actionable, immediate, reliable information using technology such as Bluetooth. And so what our platform does, it's a Bluetooth-based app that gauges the proximity of individuals throughout the school day. And then when someone tests positive, that school's contact tracer, typically a school nurse or in some cases even like an assistant principal, can immediately identify all close contacts based on the on the proximity of interactions. And so this Bluetooth information backs up and fills in that those gaps in student memory. And then the contact tracer can, you know, provide context in their interviews with students to this to this close contact information coming in from the Bluetooth.
0: Well, it's certainly easy to understand where that would certainly provide uh, more reliable contact tracing, but doesn't it, uh, at the same time, raise questions about personal privacy and data tracking and all of those other things that we are concerned about?
5: Yeah, so we've actually designed this to be essentially the most privacy-protecting app on people's phones. When you look at apps that students are using day-to-day, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, Google, Gmail even, those apps are all tracking location. And that's concerning. Now, our app does not track location. It, tra- it records the proximity of interaction. So our platform only shows who an interaction was with, when it was, and the risk level based on the distance and duration of the interaction. So you can have three people studying inside of a classroom and three people at a party off campus, and that information on the platform would look exactly the same. It would just show that that people were within a close proximity for a like um, a high risk period of time.
0: Can kids be trusted to keep the app running? I mean as you point out, kids are not always reliable in terms of remembering you know, who they had lunch with, uh, you know, two or three days ago when we're talking about conventional contact tracing, can they reliably uh, be counted on to, to keep this app
5: uh, active? So that's actually one of the most important features that we've built into the platform. The, on the dashboard, it, it will show the contact tracer that everyone is running the app. And if anyone turns off Bluetooth or turns off the app, it shows on the platform. Now, we've also essentially automated compliance for schools. So if someone turns off Bluetooth, they'll get a notification during school hours, and they'll get reminded to turn on the app. They'll get a morning reminder at at the precise time that they're arriving at school Hmm. um, so that they have, you know, they're they're always kind of reminded to make sure the app is running in the morning and during school hours. And then after school hours, the, the school can set kind of Certain notifications or, or they, where they don't um, don't bother students at all, and so it's it's really designed to automate compliance during the school day
0: and does a mandate to use the app is that more palatable than mandates to mask up or social distance or any of these other uh, precautionary measures because again uh, as we were saying it comes down to the resistance uh, in many cases is over a mandate itself aren't we just replacing one mandate with another
5: so with mandating an app we do not uh record we do not sell any data we actually delete all 15 day old interaction data and so mandating an app is purely you know it's there aren't really any privacy infringements there um it's all that it records all the information that a school nurse or contact tracer is already trying to get um it just gives them more you know reliable information and so well, I understand concerns about mandating uh, mandating masks and, and people are are hesitant and they're frustrated and they want to get back to normal life. We believe that the app is a more seamless way to get back to a new normal that looks a lot more like our old normal.
0: And to be clear, uh, you feel that, that this type of uh, automated or more enhanced contact tracing would be... A, uh an alternative using this would allow schools to continue to move forward with the masks optional policies that other more drastic measures would not be necessary.
5: if you're doing a mask optional policy and, and there's a lot of kind of there's a lot of politics involved with that sure there is going to there are going to be higher levels of transmission and if there are going to be high levels of transmission, you absolutely need a more reliable way. To prevent transmission from kind of spreading uncontrollably throughout the school.
0: Again, Graham Greve uh, with us this morning, a former teacher and CEO of the contact tracing platform Trace Innovations, which may provide a more reliable alternative to containing and minimizing the spread of COVID 19, especially in those districts that uh, insist on a, a masks optional policy for whatever reason. Graham, where do uh, folks learn more about this platform?
5: So they can visit traceinnovations.com. That's T-R-A-C-E, innovations.com.
0: We'll link uh, put a link up on our webpage for more information as well. Graham, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it.
5: Thanks for having me.
0: Time high school football preview, week number six of the season. After going toe-to-toe with Whitmer for the first half of last week's game, the Trojans fell short in the second half, now sit at two and three on the year, heading into tonight's homecoming game against arch-rival Fremont Ross. This week on the Coach's Corner, our John Marshall caught up with head
2: coach Stefan Adams it is always a challenge to talk about a game that didn't go quite as well as you might have hoped last friday maybe one of those games things started out pretty good no score either way in the first quarter whitmer scored first but your trojans came right back not bad for the early going against uh, what appears to be a really quite good whitmer team on their field
3: yeah we knew going into it that we had some opportunities and some uh chances to really kind of get ahead and i thought we were in position to do that uh you know what it comes down to is we uh, didn't capitalize when we should have and we allowed whitmer to get into their comfort zone and that was just basically lining up and checking there, trying to find some of our weak spots and exploit that with their physical run game and their physical offensive line you forced a fumble
2: recovered deep in whitmer territory then got the benefit of a penalty you had the ball first and goal but failed to capitalize Whitmer scored on the following drive to go up 14-6. Did
3: did you see a drop in morale at that point on the sideline? More just, you know, it just kind of was like a punch in the gut, you know what I mean, Mm -hmm. Uh, at that point in time. I think our kids always still uh, had good belief and and, and had good thoughts and good body language, but it just, you know, definitely a punch in the gut because uh, just like that, we could have been up, uh, and we could have put the pressure on them because the whole idea behind this game was to be able to put their quarterback in a position where he had to make plays with his arm and beat us with his arm mm-hmm. um and um like i said we allowed them to get comfortable in what they love doing
2: the final 41 to 6 you mm-hmm. played scoreless against a very good team through one had the chance to go on top in the second yep do you tell your men that this is how it goes for four quarters is that the positive you take away from this game
3: yeah i think i think the positive i mean we we <sighs> You know, we, we, in the first half, like I said, that, that game was in – we were in position to be able to get up, get up. I mean, we were able to at least go into halftime at least for 14-6 – or 14-7, I'm sorry. And then, you know, get the ball back at halftime. Like, we were right there on the cusp of that. Mm-hmm. But that just goes back to these little things that I've been talking about. And, and when you're starting the program is every little thing matters. So, you know, how you, t- how you get in the morning, making your bed, you know what I mean, making sure you're organized, making – those little things matter. Finishing at practice matters because it all translated onto the game. So we were close, uh, you know, but it didn't ultimately go the way we wanted to. But the opportunity was there. We just have to capitalize on that.
2: Now this week. Yes. You face a 5-0 and Fremont Ross squad. Little Giants offense putting up some big numbers on the board. The lowest score that they've had offensively 34 this season. Now that said, the 5-0 and record is against teams that are a combined 9-16. and it would seem that you've got a better chance this week than the records might suggest what do you see from ross on the film that you've watched and how do you feel like your teams match up
3: well i think when you look at body for body man for man i think we very we, we do probably have very similar uh players uh similarly you know we have decent skilled guys on the outside on both ends uh offense and defense and a solid big offensive line and some guys on defense kind of funneling in so we're, we're very similar in that aspect but uh the proof's in the pudding right now for them i mean they, they've put the points on the board they've closed and finished games and um you know their quarterback who is uh, caden i think he's a great ball player uh he spreads the ball out well gets the ball to their best guys and they make plays so um they're explosive on offense and i think defensively it's it's a, it's a game it's a rivalry game right so we're expecting their best and we're expecting the kitchen sink as well too so we're excited to, to compete and I think we've made some necessary changes for our guys and our players to put them in their best chances to succeed.
2: You're back at home at Donnell yes. Stadium, where you've been, uh, where you've won both of your previous yep. games. Do you feel like that factors
3: in? Uh, you know what? I'll say yes because I always really talk about protecting our turf uh, and then going and stealing from other people's turf. So, you know, uh, I definitely think it makes a difference. I think the atmosphere has been great uh, every time we've been at home. Uh, our community coming together and being out there and then cheering and pushing and giving that little umph is, uh, they, they've been awesome. So definitely at this stage, a homecoming game. Uh, you know, we talked to the kids about what the homecoming game means and honoring uh, an existing organization and how proud I am to be a Finley Trojan and how proud you are and how proud a lot of other people are too. So I, I think we should have a good stage set on Friday night.
2: Stefan Adams, the Finley Trojan football coach. Thanks again for
3: your time, Thank sir. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. Go Trojans.
0: Finley's uh, Trojans, Coach Adams Trojans, hosting undefeated and high-scoring Fremont Ross this evening. And our coverage begins with tonight in high school football from the Ohio News Network right after the 6 o'clock news. Followed by Tim Montgomery and Cliff Height with a call around 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. Some of the other action we're following tonight around the area. Actually, uh, one game that will not be happening, the Liberty Benton Van Buren contest has been canceled. Apparently, the uh, Eagles were unable to find a Week 6 opponent, so they will have a bye week heading into their homecoming next week against Riverdale. Meanwhile, on our sister station 100.5 WKXA tonight, uh, they will be airing the Macomb-Riverdale matchup at Riverdale. They had originally planned on having uh, Liberty Benton van Buren as the BBC Game of the Week, so a quick change, quick switch, Macomb at Riverdale. On the air on WKXA tonight. Other action around the area. Corey Rawson is at North Baltimore. Arlington at Arcadia. Van Leeu is at Pandora-Gilboa. Elmwood is at Woodmore. Bucyrus is at Cary. Crestview at Bluffton. Columbus Grove travels to Lipsick, Cardinal Stritch visits Hopewell-Loudon. And, of course, over on 106.3, The Fox. Tonight, it's Ottawa-Glandorf traveling to Van Wert. And follow all of those games and more in real time on the WFIN scoreboard page powered by ScoreStream and presented by Owens Community College at WFIN.com slash scoreboard and linked up at goodmornings.net. And of course, catch the Coach's Corner with John Marshall live from Ralphie's Wednesday evenings at 6 p.m. or anytime on demand at WFIN.com.
2: We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update
0: on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. Federal authorities say a man in Bay City, Michigan, (laughs) decided, so here's the thing. Uh, 75-year-old John Allen uh, decided that uh, technology, modern technology, uh, has become the bane of society. Uh, he said cell phones are spreading, are, are leading to the spread of immoral content, uh, pornography and swear words specifically is what he's, con- he's concerned about this, as are we all, I believe. Uh, so Mr. Allen did, I think, what any reasonable person would do. He placed pipe pipe bombs out of outside of uh, cell phone stores <laughs> to help stop the spread of Of immoral content. That was his solution. He's going to place pipe bombs. Outside of uh, wireless uh, stores. Not a good idea. Court documents show that Mr. Allen. Faces charges of extortion. And attempted destruction of buildings. Engaged in interstate commerce. (laughs) That just sounds like a charge. You don't want to have to face. Uh, He was allegedly caught outside. Outside. A number of stores in the state with homemade explosives, as well as leaving threatening letters at various cell towers around the area, reportedly demanding that telecommunications stop spreading porn and square words. Uh, He also demanded $5 million, so that might have had something to do with the uh, problem there (laughs) as well. He could face at least 40 years in prison. Okay. (laughs) We're all concerned... About the uh, moral degradation of America, I'm not sure that this is the best solution. (laughs) Not all thieves are inconspicuous. Police in Ontario, Canada recently spotted a pickup truck towing a boat that did not have operating trailer lights. So they attempted to pull the vehicle over, but the driver took off. Later, a high-speed chase ensued involving a truck towing a boat on a trail. That must have been quite a sight. After hitting several curbs and causing severe vehicle damage, the driver lost control and struck a power pole. The vehicle couldn't move, and the driver attempted to flee on foot but was arrested without incident. Upon further investigation, uh, police found the pickup truck, boat, and trailer were all reported stolen. The uh, man has been charged with uh, fleeing and eluding, among other things. This story certainly raises a lot of questions. Definitely one of those uh, odd stories that belongs in the broken news. Police in Knoxville, Tennessee, were called to a car accident on Monday and found an abandoned Pontiac Grand Prix. That was still in motion. It was actually moving. It was a moving vehicle, but it was empty. Officers discovered the car belonged to 23-year-old Marissa Ferrante. Later that same day, police were dispatched after reports of a naked woman wearing a mask, but otherwise naked, ringing people's doorbells, the local neighborhood. They then saw the woman walking down the road near Maryville Pike wearing only a mask underwear and a tail stopping traffic at the intersection she was identified as ms ferrante whose vehicle they had found abandoned and moving earlier in the day when they tried to uh speak to her she ran away on foot from the officer because of course she had no longer had a car (laughs) so she fled on foot jumping a fence to a nearby house Officers followed her and say she pretended uh, to be uh, conversing with the dog inside the fenced-in enclosure of the house and then began eating grass. She also tried to kick, punch, and bite officers as they eventually placed her under arrest. She faces multiple charges, including indecent exposure and resisting arrest. And I'm guessing that they're going to have her uh, evaluated. Perhaps she was under the influence of an intoxicating substance. I don't know. All kinds of weird. All kinds of weird there. Lock your doors and your fridges. The sandwich bandit is on the loose in Oklahoma. Woodward County authorities say the suspect, who they believe is 27-year-old Andrew Earls, is connected to at least 30 break-ins, in the county the nearby cleveland county sheriff's office public information officer says mr earls in his county in their county as well has been breaking into homes and he will uh, sit there raid the fridge have himself some food and drink the homeowner's beer while (laughs) while he's there apparently that's all he does uh multiple victims tell local news reports That uh, Mr. Earls helped himself to different food items and in some cases even took a shower uh, before making off with some valuables in the home. (laughs) Well, you know, breaking into homes, you work up an appetite, so it's hard work. Uh, Police believe that Mr. Earls is now in the Norman or Noble area near Oklahoma City. He is considered armed and dangerous and hungry. (laughs) <laughs> and finally in the broken news this morning our dumb criminal of the day award goes to Timothy Wolf of Jacksonville, Florida who thought he would pull a fast one at a local car dealership when he stole a car off their lot and then days later attempted to trade it in. <laughs> Mr. Wolf uh, stole a vehicle from the Lake City Chrysler Dodge Jeep uh, dealership in Jacksonville and was was not caught immediately. However, when he came back to the very same dealership a few days later, hoping to trade in his vehicle for a new car, (laughs) that's when the dealership uh, ran the VIN number and realized that the car was not only stolen, it was their stolen car. So uh, while they pretended to negotiate with uh, Mr. Wolf, they gave police a ring and uh, the cops showed up to give Mr. Wolf a nice pair of brand new silver bracelets. Mr. Wolf eventually admitted his crime and cooperated with authorities as he was taken to jail. He faces several charges, including grand theft, criminal mischief, petty theft and dealing in stolen property. That's some special kind of stupid, isn't it? I mean, to steal a car and then try and trade it in at the very same dealership a few days later. There you go. Uh, That is today's broken news. Where would we be without dumb criminals like that, though? That is today's broken news update. Uh, This report and the broken news this morning brought to you as a public service, more or less.
5: online at WFIN.com and on your smartphone, tablet, and Alexa devices.
0: Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news, and the statistics that shape our lives. Americans don't agree on much these days, but a new poll finds that uh, we overwhelmingly uh, believe that big tech companies should be reined in by the federal government. This is a poll of u.s voters conducted for the future of tech commission finds that 80 percent and i i thought this was rather interesting i did not expect to see such widespread support for this 80 percent of registered voters agreed that the government needs to do everything it can to curb the influence of big tech companies that have grown too powerful and now use our data to reach too far into our lives now you break that down by party it's 83 percent of democrats and 78 percent of republicans agree with that statement the poll found that the two biggest policy priorities for voters related to big tech are number one strengthening privacy for users and number two accountability for the technology companies there was widespread support for boosting antitrust laws to ensure more competition in the technology industry. But the majority were opposed to breaking up big tech companies. And beyond that, I thought it was really interesting that despite wanting more regulation of big tech, respondents to the poll generally had positive opinions of big tech companies. With Google having an 81% favorability rating, Amazon at 74%, Apple 67%, and Facebook even 53% positive uh, rating. So it just underscores the love-hate relationship we have with technology in general and big tech companies in particular. Interesting poll from the Future of Tech Commission. Maybe this is is something that would go over well i saw this on a related note the european union announced yesterday that it will force manufacturers to adopt a universal phone charger meaning that the iphone is going to have to use USB-C chargers or whatever standardized charger that regulators decide to use and will no longer be able to use their own proprietary lightning charger. They'll have to comply and uh, make charging devices universal. According to news reports, the European Commission released an 18-page directive that somehow this took 18 pages, an 18-page directive that outlined the new uh, legislation said it was aimed at reducing waste and saving consumers millions of dollars a year in having to buy multiple chargers. Now this, I think, (laughs) is the kind of regulation we could all get behind. That's a perfect example, I think. My wife Kyra has joined us in the studio. Now before we uh, start, we were talking about this uh, earlier this morning, CandyStore.com is out with their annual official list of the best and worst Halloween candies. <laughs> and so I thought, this is right up your alley. And uh, so, we, like I said, we were mentioning earlier, uh, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, number one. yeah, And the best Halloween candy. Yep. Uh, followed by M&M's, which I love, know you love M&M's, yep. Skittles, yep. Snickers, and Sour Patch Kids. Mm-hmm the top I 5 them all. <laughs> What do you think is number 1 of the worst candy? Uh,
6: probably one of your favorites this <laughs> Circus Peanuts.
0: Circus Peanuts are number two. Circus Peanuts are I like Circus Peanuts. you uh, do. Candy Corn is the worst of the worst, really? according to the uh, store.com survey.
6: That's surprising. If you get the right Candy Corn, it's really good. <laughs> you just have candy, to get the right one. <laughs> candy
0: Corn, number one last year, number one again this year on the okay. list of worst candies. Circus Peanuts, number two, Peanut Butter Kisses was number three. Is in that the worst those candies.
6: little taffy Chewy things like they're in like orange, they're wrapped in orange, the peanut butter. What,
0: the peanut butter kisses? Yeah. I don't know. I thought yeah. they were the same as the. Hershey's kisses, but just peanut butter. I don't think no? so. I think okay. that's
6: those taffy things. I don't know that I've yeah, ever had them. They're disgusting. But they,
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. How do you really feel? They're, just tell us how you really just feel.
6: Really bad. Smarties
0: was number four on the worst oh, that's candies. Another I one love Smarties. <laughs> See, and Necco wafers were oh, number five. That's another and one. And I yours. love those too.
6: See, you're like in the bottom of the. I know. <laughs> you so, like all the like gross I said, candy.
0: Like I said earlier, that's fine. It's just more for me. That's true. That is. Yep. So anyway, I yep. uh, just thought I would get your take on uh, on those. Mm. I can see you agree. <laughs> yeah, my my favorite
6: the, isn't the on there, but yes. What is your favorite? I like Heath Bars.
0: Heath Bars. Yes. No, Heath Bars are not uh, in the uh, top 10 or the bottom 10. Yeah, so, so anyway. Yeah kind of right yeah. there in the middle. <laughs> uh, my wife Kyra has joined us. It is time for another collection of recipes from Kyra's Kitchen this morning with Terrifically Tasty Tailgate Recipes. Yes. Last week we said we're going to try and, you know, we have to uh, do tailgate, tailgate recipe, a tailgate recipe theme, and ask and you shall receive That's here. That's right. So, uh, to start off, we've got mini pigs in a blanket with jalapeno mustard dip.
6: Yes. Mm. Yeah, so... Um, eight smoked sausage links, uh, one eight ounce can of crescent dough sheet, um, and everything seasoning. And then for your mustard dip, two thirds cup mayo, a fourth cup of spicy brown mustard and two tablespoons of jalapeno pepper jelly. Uh, so preheat your oven to three hundred and fifty degrees. Open your can of crescent dough and unroll. Uh, cut into eight rectangle pieces uh, with the pizza cutter. Then wrap a piece of dough around each of the smoked sausage uh, links, and then cut that those into four. And then right. place those each on. an ungreased cookie sheet and sprinkle with some everything seasoning. Uh, Place in the oven, bake for about 20 minutes or until golden brown. And then remove from the oven and let cool for about 10 minutes. And then while while you're letting those cool, then you can make your dip by mixing your mayo, your mustard, and your jelly all together. Um, And then uh, served... Sausages with dipping sauce.
0: So it's kind of uh, the uh, pigs with a kicking pigs in a blanket. Yes,
6: yeah, kicking pigs in a blanket. There you go,
0: pigs in a blanket. (laughs) There, uh, you'll be a hit, especially once the weather turns a little colder. uh, You can uh, have you can spice it up your uh, tailgate. Uh, and then going along with that, <laughs> we have uh, mini jalapeno popper corn muffins. Yes. You got into this jalapeno I know, thing I think today. I,
6: I was like, I, I saw this jalapeno popper thing, and I was just like, okay, these look the, good. Yeah. So two jalapenos. Um, if you want a more mild, um, do do the uh, sereno. Uh, peppers. Okay. Um, they're a little bit mild, more mild than the jalapeno. They still have a kick to them, but they're not quite as hot. Gotcha. Uh, one eight and a half ounce of box of your Jiffy corn mix muffin, muffin mix. Mm-hmm. I can't talk today.
0: <laughs> oh, my That's gosh. okay.
6: One large egg, a third cup of whole milk, three ounces of cream cheese, uh, cut into 18 cubes and a half a cup of shredded sharp cheddar cheese. Um, So preheat your your oven to 350 degrees. Spray your mini muffin tins with cooking spray. Finally, dice uh, one of your peppers. Slice the other pepper. um, So you
0: dice one and slice slice the other. other. Okay. Mm -hmm.
6: In a medium bowl, uh, stir together muffin mix, uh, diced pepper, egg, and milk. Uh, Divide the batter evenly between the muffin cups. Uh, Push a cube of the cut cream cheese in into each one of the mini muffins. Okay, once you've got them poured into mm-hmm. the
0: into the Yep, uh, into the, yep. Uh, muffin into the pan. center of each yep. one. Okay. And then
6: place a little bit of your cheddar cheese on top of each one of those. And then if you want, you can top it with a pepper. Uh, with one of the, with sliced, the sliced peppers, peppers. okay. Mm-hmm. Then bake for fifteen to twenty minutes, and let cool uh, a few minutes, and then run a knife around the edge of the of each uh, the mini muffins to loosen them up and remove them from the tin. Mm,
0: and good enjoy. Stuff. So uh, the mini jalapeno popper corn muffins to go with your kicking pigs in a blanket. Yes, and then for dessert, uh, praline granola crunch snack mix.
6: Yes. So one box of oatmeal square cereal. Um, two cups of granola. Um, You can do the granola with the pecans if you want. If you don't want the nuts, then just do the the plain granola. Uh, A half a cup of dark brown sugar, a half a cup of light corn syrup, one tablespoon of butter, one teaspoon of vanilla extract, a half a teaspoon of baking soda, and a half a teaspoon of salt. So then preheat your oven to 250 degrees. uh, Grease a 13 by 9 inch baking pan with cooking spray and set it aside. Then add your oatmeal, squares and your granola into a prepared baking pan and mix well. Um, In a large microwave bowl, combine the sugar, the corn syrup, and the butter. Microwave the sugar mixture for about a minute, 30 seconds, and then stir it. So take it out, stir it. Then uh, microwave an additional 30 seconds to one minute and 30 seconds or until it starts boiling. So you want to take it out. During that time And kind of stir it up So it doesn't burn
0: Gotcha Um,
6: So you're going to want to Then stir in your After that's all After it comes to a boil Then take it out Stir in your vanilla extract Your baking soda And your salt Into this uh, mixture Uh, Pour the sugar mixture Over the cereal mixture Stir to coat Everything evenly um, And be careful It's going to be hot Right Uh, Bake it in The preheated oven For one hour Taking it out Every 15 minutes And stirring it
0: Again, you don't want it to scorch. right. Right. So you
6: want to take it out of the oven, stir it. Put it back in, uh, and that you're going to do that for an hour, so that's going to be four times that you're going to stir it during mm-hmm. that. Uh, transfer your mixture to some wax paper. Spread the mixture um, in an even layer. Let it cool completely. Then break it apart into pieces and store tightly in a room uh, temperature.
0: I said uh, dessert. That's more like a snack. Yeah. Where, well uh, it is, know, it's kind
6: of yeah. Munchies. It's kind of an game, easy and, yeah. thing to take to a tailgate sure. that everybody's
0: going to munch on. Yeah. But it's Grab still sweet. Grab a handful sweet. of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It still has the uh, sweet dessert kind of yes. thing Great stuff Again, your uh, kicking pigs in a blanket Your mini jalapeno popper corn muffins And your praline granola crunch snack mix We've got those recipes for your terrifically tasty tailgate yes. Up at our uh, Facebook page The WFIN Facebook page You can find them there also, have them linked up at our webpage at goodmornings.net. It was my idea for the yeah. uh, tailgate Tailgates. recipes, but if you have a, a theme idea yeah. or if you have a recipe you uh, are looking yes, for. we got or lots
6: you, of holidays coming up here pretty soon. Absolutely. Or if you have
0: one that you would like to share, uh, shoot us an email, goodmornings at WFIN.com, and we'll uh, make sure that Kyra gets it. So, Kai, thanks very much. You're welcome and with that we finish up our podcast for today and put a wrap on the week i want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program and remember you can check out our webpage for all more details on all of the things that we talk about each day on the show our little corner of the world wide web can be found at goodmornings.net check it out coming up monday Findlay's marathon center for the performing arts is not only resuming live shows, they're actually expanding their schedule with new shows being added. We'll get a complete preview of what's coming to the stage. So until Monday morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day, a great weekend. Catch you back here next week.